Debriefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams. People, interactions, groups, relationships, communities, participation, togetherness, systems. With system, we generally define a group of entities that operate within the same boundaries, which then informs, define our doing. At a macro scale, we are society. At a smaller scale, there is an organization, or even smaller, a family. But who designed this system, boundaries and rules? Were different voices taken into consideration? Was enough weight given to everyone's perspective? Did everyone feel comfortable to speak up? What could be the consequences? What are the foundational value of that system? These are some of the questions we should ask ourselves when designing for a more inclusive future. Today, I'm joined by a friend and colleague to chat about some of these points. Please let me welcome to the Briefing Today family, John Sweeney. Hi, Mattia. Thanks so much for having me on. You, John, for me, are a generalist. And what I mean by that is that you know a lot of everything. You have a very extensive multidisciplinary experience, but also you know everything of future studies. So for those who eventually don't know you that much, John, do you want to tell them where your international journey started? And I mean, who doesn't want to spend some time in Hawaii? Well, thank you. And, and for the record, let me first state that, of course, I don't know everything uh, there is to know about future studies. Uh, if anything, actually, what I, what I love about my journey into future studies is that it's a, it's a constant space of learning. I mean, certainly the idea that the future is uh, an unknown space, a space that we can shape, a space of uncertainty means that we you know, have to become comfortable with not knowing. And, and I think actually, you know, my own journey, as you, as you mentioned, uh, into Hawaii was, uh, was really a, a way to, to grow into a, a sense of, of, of feeling confident with not knowing. And, and I, I do think that it is a, a special place to think about the future. And uh, I really, really, of course, had the privilege to study with uh, Dr. Jim Dater, who's one of the, the founders of, of future studies, the academic field, and uh, certainly, a, you know, a well-known futurist. And I think probably more than anything that, you know, that that journey has really continued. So being a part of what we call the Manoa School community, which is, uh, Manoa is actually the valley where the university is located. And so the, the School of Future Studies, the particular approach is often called the, the Manoa School. So it's really been special to be a part of that community and to, to tap into what is then a, a global community. And I think that, you know, my own journey as I've I've continued to kind of blaze this path of, of doing futures and standing on the shoulders of giants has been an, an, an experimentation in community, but also, like you said, an experimentation in being a generalist. I mean, I would have never have guessed that I, I would have had to have chance to work in over 45 countries around the world directly. And of course, now with everything online, you know, connecting with people, uh, certainly continuing to connect with people all around the world. And it's been extraordinary because I think the ability to engage in helping people think about the future, helping communities and organizations feel more confident and aware of, uh, of different futures. And of course, to potentially craft a preferred future, but also open to emergence um, has really lended itself to this, this journey mentality and also to the, the kind of generalist mindset. Wow, that alone is so fascinating. And Hawaii to me is a beautiful marriage of diversity because we have from a geological point of view, we have the mountains, 
the lush, the green of the the mountains. And from the other side, we have the ocean, the blue, the death of the ocean. And that speaks about diversity and speaks about being generalist. Uh, we need to have different elements that complement each other to to build that kind of peaceful place that includes also um, different voices, different perspectives. And you mentioned earlier that you work on, on project for 35 different states. That's, I mean, incredible. Um, being able to get knowledge and experiences from, again, 35 different perspectives. That means also 35 different cultures, 35 different way of working, 35 different approaches to challenges and of course 35 different challenges which is again fascinating but back to the points of the system that we were mentioning before how to explore togetherness and participatory in developing some of the system that we mentioned earlier yeah well i I think you know to bring hawaii into that conversation certainly being a being a guest amongst the native hawaiian host culture and and being in a space that is of course contested and that you know has a colonial history and legacy was was really powerful and really brought to bear i think on my own experience uh and journey as a futurist the the importance and and really the necessity of of putting participation at the heart of what futures can and should be. And of course, Hawaii has a long history of that back in the late 60s and, and certainly you know, throughout the 90s and 2000s, different generations of, uh, of I think, you know, people at the Manoa School. And certainly this has always been part of kind of Jim Dater's approach is to, to be radically participatory. And, and, and that can often you know, create challenges that you know, really, uh, you know, really force you to look at the, you know, the underlying politics. And of course the politics is, is sometimes never underlying. It's, it's quite clear what the agendas are. And so you know, I think from my perspective that the, the opportunity to, to really leverage different approaches, I, I really thank uh, Jose Ramos, uh, you know, a friend and colleague, of course, that we both know quite well, who's who's turned me on to some interesting thought that came out of, you know, Rand Corporation of all places in the 90s, uh, David Ronfeldt's work around tribes and institutions, markets and networks. I, I suppose I'm, I'm still, you know, tribal in different ways in the sense that I, I affiliate with different tribes. And of course, we've, we've seen the rise of and the effects of networks. And so to think about, you know, myself as a practitioner operating in those different spaces, I think has been useful. But I also think it is about how do you how do you foster how do you seed that in and nurture that in an organic way um, you know when it's when it's when it's fabricated when it feels sort of you know constrained or when it feels very artificial it doesn't have the that sense of emergence and and people don't feel the the pull that that I think a community can have and I think now we're we're seeing a real explosion of different futures communities and I think that shows a real healthiness to the to the broader space. And speaking of communities, I really like the organic way that we see a very strong presence of the native Hawaiian or the native Maori in in New Zealand. You know, their voice is very much heard. And uh, lately, one of the Maori members has been uh, selected to be part of the parliament in New Zealand. And that's a fascinating example of how inclusion and diversity into uh, a government body, you know, uh, how those people are still strongly part and their heritage, the story that their knowledge is being included into uh, developing a, a more uh, resilient and more uh, sustainable futures. 
Um, another interesting aspect of your staying in Hawaii is your PhD and your uh, research on, on gaming. And now it's been one year that we've been uh, facilitating together the Global Swarm gaming sessions. Games are something that we used to do when we were much younger, but now we see uh, a strong comeback of gaming and a dynamic use of gaming at strategic level in many different type of organizations. Um, how powerful is gaming in exploring and to use for exploration at that strategic level in organization. Yeah, well, there's, I think, interesting connections here between kind of everything we've been discussing. Because for me, games are tied to community. I mean, of course, you know, actually in the last year or, or so, I've gotten a bit into uh, video games, which is something I've come back to. And that's a real kind of solo experience and, and you know, sort of my own kind of journeying with different platforms. But I, I'll say that for me, games are also about community. And, and what I love about games is precisely it gives us a way to not just talk about uncertainty, but to put it into practice. Uh, of course, there's a long history of serious games and, you know, all the way back in the, the 40s and the 50s. And of course, even, you know, wargaming has been around for a long time, but specifically to bring a real critical lens to how we can use gaming dynamics within futures and foresight practice and, and research, and to try to enhance the kinds of experiences that people have through play, I, for me, has been nothing short of transformative and, and awakening. I mean, I, I really think that what started off as a real curiosity and trying to bring my own sort of, you know, geekiness to the experience. And I, I love Settlers of Catan when I was at university and we would have, you know, weekend Catanathons and like to try to bring this feeling of, well, okay, that the, the, there's so much interest, of course, in, in, in thinking about the future and thinking about these possibilities, but, you know, are people having fun? You know, how do we leverage the, the kind of emotive experience and, and really create a space for people to engage and and actually now what's really fascinating is we're starting to see some 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 interesting research around evaluating that and assessing that so it is it is important to see that you know it's not just anecdotal anymore that there really is some research to suggest that games do have a have a profound impact on not just how we learn but you know how we could share uh you know insights about the future how we can share possibilities about the future and and it has been interesting to see over the past uh, decade for sure the explosion of different gaming uh you know, platforms and approaches, whether it's online or hybrid, or of course the kind of tabletop experiences that I really like, um, you know, putting together. So yeah, it's been really exciting. And, and I also say that like, I've been fortunate to uh, beg, borrow and steal and collaborate with lots of awesome folks. I mean, I don't think I would have even, you know, gotten into games in the way that I have and professionally had the opportunities without, you know, being able to collaborate with awesome folks like, like Aaron Rosa, uh, even folks like Zan Lee were really influential and Jose and others, like just, you know, bouncing ideas and, and trying to get a real practice around games and simulations. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's been really amazing to have a community of people that are interested in that as well. It comes naturally now to chat about how to design those games. What are the building blocks of designing a games that looks and explore the futures? They are quite complicated entities as the there are a lot of psychological levers that should be inherent to the game and to the playing of the game in order to reach some desired outcomes. Um, you designed uh, our futures game for Nested as the one we've been using to facilitate session for the Global Swarms. Where was the starting point for that game? What were the value, the, you know, the design principle? 
Yeah, this is a it's a really fantastic question. And I have to say, like, you know, I, I don't have any formal training in game design. You know, I, I had a really interesting opportunity early in, in my professional career to go and, and learn from some folks at the University of Southern California. Um, but, you know, whenever I, I have the chance to help people think about building games, I often start the conversation with what do you like? You know, what are what are your favorite games? Tell me about the specific elements or the dynamics or the aspects of gameplay that you you enjoy. And 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 that really then starts a reflective practice, I think, uh, on how do we bring those elements into conversations about the future? Uh, and so, you know, from my perspective, I, I agree with you. There's no kind of like you know, magic sort of recipe. And, and actually a lot of my games use, use similar dynamics. So whether we're talking about random combinations or, you know, looking at kind of staging different levels of experiences, uh, you know, based on, you know, certain criteria or certain challenges, or of course, uh, leaning a lot on, you know, emerging issues and bringing in this sort of, you know, chance element. Um, I, I think that there, there are some really great aspects of games that, that fit very intuitively into futures. And at least for myself, you know, I, I really tried to bring in and have lots of other voices as part of the process. So, you know, almost all of, of the games that I've had a chance to create and work on have been collaborations. And, you know, if there is one thing that I think is critical to the process of creating and using games within Futures and Foresight, uh, it's it's being able to, to prototype and prototype within a community. So, you know, you mentioned the R Futures game. That game has gone through different versions and iterations. That game is really built on the back of, of Jose's work with uh, Mutant Futures, and he had uh, an approach, a Mutant Futures triangle. And, and so it, it just was something that evolved over time. Um, and I, you know, use lots of metaphors. And I think the metaphor here of, you know, soup or chili on the stove, you know, it's going to get better after a day or so. And the same thing with the games, you know, it, they need they need time, they need air, they need those, you know, different folks to come in and stir the pot. And I think certainly the Our Futures game, as we've also, you know, we designed it as a, as a board game, and then of course, migrated it to, to Miro and have been doing online sessions consistently, and you've been a part of those, you know, we've evolved kind of the, you know, how that has looked, the user experience, you know, get, like get from people and of course customizing and now we have multiple languages and so it's been a real journey and I think that's part of it is never to see it as a product but always to see it as a process. And this is a great line seeing game as an evolving process it's not just a final packed product but is evolving game after game taking from the community and updating itself um, Based on your experience, uh, how have you seen community actually building around gaming? Uh, you know, um, we are part of um, the Global Swarm, which is a very energetic, vibrant uh, um, community, which evolved and is still evolving organically. How have you seen uh, other community buildings around uh, gaming? Has we have seen gaming being uh, having a, a strong uptake in the last uh, decade, um, again, to, to be used to explore challenges, but also as a place to cross-pollinate knowledge. Yeah, yeah. So the, again, the community aspect for me is super critical. I, I'll, you know, I'll talk about the Swarm and, of course, our aspirations for that community. But I also want to mention another, another game that, that had a community the emerge around it that that completely surprised me and and so a number of years ago uh, Aaron Rosa and I had a chance to work with the uh, European Commission Joint Research Center and so we produced the scenario exploration system it was the first project of the their new policy lab or, or what was their new 
new policy lab. Um, and we had amazing internal champions. Uh, so Laurent and Daniel, uh, Daniel since uh, moved on, but he's, uh, he's still doing lots of really great features work. Um, I think what was really interesting about that opportunity and what happened was they had such a strong internal champion. And, and I say internal champion, you know, Laurent was sort of doing gaming sessions on different projects and kind of running it sort of in addition to his normal work. So it was this kind of like passion pull for him to be able to, to do that. Um, all of a sudden it, it exploded. And so within the course of, let's say, five years, there have been, you know, almost a dozen different versions of the game. Uh, I'm actually talking about a week or so about the origin of the game. And and, and we've got practitioners from around the world. There's a there's a vibrant online community on LinkedIn around the scenario exploration system. There it has mutated and evolved in ways I would have never have expected, and, and also in ways that I was never part of. So I think that shows a real healthiness. And, and when people come together, it shows that again, the tool has evolved and people have adapted and, and kind of used it. And of course, now there's online versions of it. And I think a lot of learning comes out of that and we're trying to study and understand more about you know the process by which that had happened but ultimately i think people found a lot of utility and a lot of value in it and so had a chance to adapt it it's a it's a creative commons tool so people can download it and use it and i think that's probably similar to what we want to do with the our futures game you know that game started off as creative commons we've got a github repository um and so i i think that the idea of using games as a space to create and, and even curate and, and really foster community uh, has been something really uh, fascinating. And, and, you know, the Swarm is trying to bring some intentionality to that. So we want to create spaces where people can not just talk about participatory features, but actually model them and craft them and ideate and prototype and try to like have a more, you know, uh, really a play space, if you will, to be able to, to have those engagements. And so that's our hope for, the, the global swarm as a community is that it grows and evolves and that the game is really a, a, a really a part of that. I'm really glad that you mentioned the scenario planning games that you developed for the European Commission. That's another outstanding design of yours. So please, for anyone that is not familiar with that game, just Google John Sweeney European Commission scenario games and the first four links that come up, they should be the one that direct you to, to the games or papers related to, to the game. So yeah, just go and uh, and dig deeper on uh, the design by by John Sweeney. Uh, another important aspect that you mentioned, John, is the common copy. Uh, games that are made common copy are very much likely to be embraced and used and developed and advanced uh, by by those communities. So uh, I'm totally with you on that. But speaking of the games as a um, enhancement of the design process that those communities are using that for? Where is the right point for you? Where, where do you see the, for example, the Our Game, uh, pardon, Our Futures uh, Nesta Games played within the process? Speaking of uh, policy design, product design, um, strategy design, where do you see the game playing an important role in that process, early stage or later on, or at least maybe in the middle? Yeah, this is um this is one of the questions that we are trying to kind of bring up is you know how do we find ways of 
infusing and integrating participatory futures at different points in, in let's say, uh, you know, like uh, the decision-making cycle or process that is inherent to whether it's private sector or, you know, public sector. And, you know, I think that we, we see the opportunities, of course, like you're saying, for it to be a really exciting and imaginative uh, front-end piece. So, you know, before you're getting into, you know, details of project and process, you really use it as a way to kind of stretch the borders and the boundaries and to really hold that possibility space and to explore, you know, what's what's the real potentiality here, but also to, to bring participation fully into the kind of thinking rather than waiting at the end and saying, okay, we've done this, how do we communicate it? Um, I've also seen it uh, as something that you know can be useful or that kind of thinking when you're when you're stuck right so maybe you're in the middle of a process and maybe you're thinking about communication strategy and maybe it allows for kind of a realignment or a shifting um, I think there are lots of opportunities to inject it and maybe that's the right way to say it like you know it can enhance those processes it's not going to replace you know how you maybe do your consultations the the tool itself but it can inspire and hopefully you know create uh, different ways of thinking about what potential engagement could look like or you know how to actually bring people together and to take them on a journey and and I think we're seeing lots of interest with that so we we're having conversations and we just did a, a game project for the launch of the accelerator lab UNDP's accelerator lab in Panama and it was really exciting to see them use it as a way to think about well what can the lab do how can the lab help to position participatory futures as part of its you know overall kind of approach and I think that's the exciting opportunity is to see it whether it's a part of strategy whether it's part of you know planning, whether it's part of policy, and those of course look very different relative to context and organization, but to see how it can have utility and to experiment with it. And, and there's probably all sorts of ways it could be useful that I haven't even thought of. And I, I think I'm excited to see that there is that appetite and at least an openness to kind of play with the tool and to, to put it into different parts of that decision-making process. I like it, injection. Indeed, the game should be played when it feels to be the best fit for that specific project. So it could be early stage, could be in the middle if you're a little bit stuck and you need to explore uh, different perspectives or even a later stage. In this chat, we talk about different aspects. We talk about, we, we started from your um, career, early career in Hawaii and we talk about other games that you developed. And if we go back to our um, core of this conversation, which is building community. What's your take on uh, how to build community, how to design community that embrace diversity, embrace diversity, how to foster those, you know, and make everyone voice heard? Yeah, well, this is something that has certainly been, <clears throat> I, I guess, I, I don't want to call it a personal struggle, but like something that I've tried to see and and practice and not just talk about and and i think again that i've been extraordinarily privileged to be part of communities that were existing but also to really uh, make a point for myself to try to join those communities and you know we mentioned this earlier you know i i try to give away almost everything so like you know i know there's of course paywalls and you know obstacles for getting academic research but like if anyone I, i'm always willing to share and always willing to say here's a game and would love to hear your thoughts and and i think that kind of spirit the pay it forward which is is again what i've been the recipient of is something that i think is really essential and critical to communities uh, you know, with the swarm for our gaming sessions, we use a pay what you want, pay what you can model. So to try to, you know, say, look, we, we, we're, we're not ignoring systemic inequities. You know, we're not ignoring the, the obstacles and, and the barriers and, and constraints that people might feel to participating. So we don't want that to be the reason that people can't connect. And so I think the idea of 
trying to copyright something or, you know, trying to say this is owned by this person. It's like, we, we can't, it, it does, it's, it's not even that like, we can't do it. It's like, it, it goes against the core values of, you know, who we are. And certainly for myself, it just feels almost ridiculous. Like, you know, I, I think that, you know, again, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants and, and I want to help to further and, and to spread this and, and help and have people feel connected to it. So for me, community is the essence of futures. Um, it really is about sharing ideas. It really is about trying to find ways of having better conversations and engagements and, and also putting those ideas into practice. And, you know, I think for myself, it's been constant constant trying to walk the walk and experimenting. So like I said, I, I, you know, have different hats that I wear. I'm a member of sort of different tribes, but I, I think the one thing that I've probably learned in with regards to kind of building community and participating in communities is that at least for myself, I, I really have to focus on, on listening, uh, you know, more than like engaging. And, and it's not that I, I feel this urge to talk all the time, probably talk too much, but um, to really be present in a way that I can, I can let people know that, you know, I'm, I'm here to learn as everyone else is. And, and certainly within the swarm, you know, we have people at different levels of experience, people with different, you know, like degrees and futures or X number of years experience and everything else. But, but we want it to be common ground. And if people feel like they're coming into a space where someone is, you know, at a higher level of, because of this or because of that, then it doesn't work, right? Like community works when, you know, this idea of kind of breaking bread, when everyone's at the table, everyone's sitting down, everyone has a chance to share equally. And that's what we want, you know, for the swarm. And, and again, not all communities have that. Um, and certainly, you know, you, you, need, you need hierarchy to do certain kinds of things sometimes, right? Yeah, this person's going to do that, this person's going to do that, right? But, but the essence of community, I think, is a real kind of equality and commensality, the idea of, you know, giving and sharing and having that be critical to the practice and the process of, of trying to nurture and see the community. And I think that's what we're really trying to do with the Swarm. Wow. Wow, that, that, that was, yeah, fascinating. But... I want to close with that because it's been, you know, a really fantastic ending and takeaway. I mean, that definitely for me is a beautiful takeaway to, to give to um, our listener. But before we go, what's your comment or latest book that you, you've been reading or, or you read? Oh, wow. My current or latest book. Um, I actually can't remember the last... <laughs> um, so I, I had read recently, I had gone back to... Um, uh, I had gone back to uh, Roadside Picnic. Um, that that was a uh, that's like a classic um, novel by the the Strugatsky brothers. Uh, you know, like I read academic articles all the time and editing stuff, but like like I, I very recently, probably in the last two months, w went back and reread that, and that's this phenomenal like soviet era like sci-fi like just like it's dark and brooding and of course it was you know Tar Tar tarkovsky turned it into a phenomenal film so like i think like yeah it's it's a really really fantastic book that like brings up all kinds of exciting things i, I probably should spend more time reading uh, actual books in the field but i've been again do, absorbing lots of articles but that's one that i i always recommend and i i love so much so um yeah that's a book that i was just on my radar very recently Awesome. So John, let me, let me thank you so much for your time today and yes, the, your experience and, and the value that you bring in, in community by generating the community, but also just you being yourself within the community are, are amazing. So yeah, thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to, to be with you on the Global Swarm for, yeah, 
for one year almost now. So I look forward for, for what the future is going to bring uh, to us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Martia. It's been great to swarm with you. Love the podcast. Uh, grazie mille for having me on. And yeah, I look forward to more. So thanks so much. The briefing today unplugs people's creativity by embracing the wonder of change. It seeks inspiration from maverick innovators and change makers to share their stories, experiences, and dreams.